speed, agility, power. I'm a big fan of these things. All of the performance I demand for myself on the ice is here. It handles all of my needs in dynamic fashion. you uh listeners out there uh hi welcome to Roxy Fever. it's jackson here uh and uh i called in a ringer i called the guy who i always call when no one else is available and i need to get an episode out it's cody sieverton cody how's it going it's going man i love to be the show's uh fourth mic you're like the, in the uh, times of need yeah you're uh you're like the archers she loves you're, you're good. You're being held. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I I feel like less and less uh, close to the the discourse these days because I like like basically I figured out recently. Um, I'm gonna I'm in a band that is actually like active now, which has not been the case in a really long time, mm-hmm. and it's it's eaten up my hobby time. Yeah, pretty significantly uh, to the point where and also like my my job now too. like I work nights. And so it just feels like every I I say nights like I work until like seven. But it just feels like this year, for some reason, every game has been either on the East Coast or at five o'clock for some reason. Right. Um, And uh, and so I'm like further and further away from from the 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 very like. um, uh what's the, the the minutia in the discourse but right. uh but also at the same time it's also just kind of been like what, what would you rather do like <laughs> get yelled at on the computer by like people that you don't like <laughs> and who are generally also wrong about everything too or literally be in a rock band like which of these things is yeah. gonna be more fun it's a genuinely um, ch- tough choice to make. Yeah, like, it's, it's be, hard. Be get yelled at for being like mildly skeptical about a sports team. Yeah, a bunch of fr- like people, or play music and like drink beer and have fun. Like exactly. Someone. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty difficult. Um, <laughs> I uh, I I remember on the last episode, which was a long time ago. I don't even think Vias knows this episode is happening. Um, I just got so tired of uh trying to organize an episode uh first we were going to do one with jd and he's just been sick for like i don't know six months or something for 2023 Um, yeah exactly um and i think the 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 last episode we talked at length about uh whether or not the canucks were good and i i came out strong in favor of yes for the first (laughs) time in pretty much i think the history of the show and then they were kind of not good for like ten games. <laughs> when your schedule kind of lightened up a bit, you weren't yeah. doing anything with the band. You were kind of checked in again. They started to suck again. You're exactly. Like, oh, there they are. There's yeah, and then team I know and, love. and now they're good again. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, we're we're like we're kind of going in the opposite direction of how we've we've gone previously, where the joke was like, oh, the Canucks are bad again. We can record an episode. <laughs> um, the uh. 
I one thing that we that I got to get out of the way before we we kind of talk about the year um in general is believe it or not we haven't recorded an episode since the Nikita Zadorov trade or rather we haven't recorded a main feed episode that also didn't get eaten by my computer um I, I did talk about uh Zadorov on the last episode with uh Flube, uh on the patreon but then uh my computer decided to take a shit in the middle of recording and it didn't work oh, uh, yeah. which i was really really uh stoked about um but uh i i hilariously like don't feel like i've watched him enough either now in vancouver or in calgary to have a very strong opinion but like I was listening to the radio today or yesterday or whatever, and I heard Drance say like he should be their number one UFA priority to sign. So like, what do you right. what, what what do you think about this guy? How's he How's he been? How you like the fit? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, he's really tall, and that you know, I yeah. I love that about him. That's cool. Uh, yeah, even as someone who's like kind of like knee deep in the minutia, it's kind of funny as you're saying that. I was like. I remember distinctly like looking ahead to the season and just telling like David Quadrelli, friend of the program, mm-hmm. like, man, I don't think I can do another losing season. I yeah. can't do it. Like yeah. I, I don't, if they come out and they lose seven in a row, like I'm done. I'm out. I don't want to totally. write about crappy yeah. pot prospects for a, a win. Nothing team. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> but anyway, back to this. Is the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good <laughs> thing that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That didn't happen. So I've been uh, knee deep in it. Um, Zadorov's been like interesting in that like he's basically everything that Tyler Myers was hyped up to be when they first got him. Yeah. Like a big, tall, rangy, tough guy who uses his size and range to, to you know, to defend well and and can produce offense. Yeah. I don't think he actually has like points with Vancouver yet. Like maybe he's got like an assist or something like that. I think he has a goal. I think he scored oh, one yeah. goal. Yeah. Oh yeah, maybe they gave it to Pedersen though. I think there was like oh, that was yeah, the, that it was like be. his debut or whatever, but yeah, that sounds like it could be true. Yeah, yeah, but like I think it's just like kind of a case of like where he he looks a lot better than I think a lot of people were expecting because I think a lot of people were just like, oh, he's just he's just Myers, so it's going to be a disaster. You're going to have these two yeah rangy doofuses who can't defend and are too aggressive and are just going to get eaten alive. Who somehow but- like splay out in the exact way <laughs> yeah. to like not take away any time and space somehow, even yeah. though they're like so gigantic. Yeah. Well, like in this game against Dallas that they're playing in right now, there's about to head in overtime. There was this one moment where I think Jason Robertson had like a breakaway and Zadarov just reached around him with oh, yeah. his arm, holding his stick, poked the puck off his stick on the breakaway. Didn't take a holding, didn't take a, a hooking, like no penalty whatsoever. Didn't even knock Robertson over. Mm-hmm. And like my mind was kind of blown. I was like, oh yeah, I think Drance has a point. Like, there are giants in the NHL that where if they can do things like that, like even if it's just like 25% of the time, you're going to take the swing on them. Yeah. Totally. Whereas like when it was like Myers time to come around, you had like every jets fan basically just like, couldn't wait for him to hit free agency and leave the team because they were all just like, he can't defend he, his point totals are bloated because he's either playing with Bufflin or with Morrissey or whoever. Yeah, yeah. So don't sign him to a $7 million deal. Don't sign him to a $6 million deal. Like he's not worth it. Like he just doesn't yeah. use his range. Well, 
And I was actually, I was searching this the other day. And do you remember when they were talking about like potential contracts for him and the rumored number like started at 8 million? Oh yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I absolutely do. Yeah. And then, and then looking back on it now, like he only got like a 500 K increase, but it was still like a five, like a five year, four year deal or whatever. So it was still like a, a total loss. Yeah. And so like absolutely. part of me like thinks about like the Zadarov contract where it's like, here's this guy who's I think the same height, maybe slightly shorter, but he actually hits, throws the body fights, has hit double digit goals within the last five years, uh, can actually use his range well. And like he's hitting UFA. It just sounds like, this is either going to be very good because he likes the fit and stays, or they're just going to sign Myers 2.0 and he's immediately not going to be worth the deal they signed. Absolutely. Yeah. Which, you know, at least he would like understand it because I think he's slightly younger than when they signed Myers. I think Myers is like 30 at the time when they signed him. Wasn't Something. He was I mean, he wasn't that old, but he was like, yeah, he was, it, he was, it was one of those ones. He also where just was like, wasn't as good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, when you get Zadarov, it's just like, okay, like you can, you can, you understand the appeal at least. And like, I get it. Having watched him, like he doesn't stick out like a sore thumb when he does make defensive blunders any worse than, you know, the cavalcade of de- terrible defensemen they've had on their lineup in the last like five years. So you see a giant guy like that who you know can like throw the body. You're like, you know what? Whatever. I'll, t- I'll take it if you can get him as a good cap hit. But apparently his agent is doing the uh, the dollar sign tweets. So I think he just like isn't even going to try to sign in Vancouver. He's yeah, like, let's get paid. I mean, I, there's a couple things that that this has made me want to talk about. Um, I think, though, because you brought it up, the thing that I have to start with is like. Do you fucking hate Dan Milstein the way I do? <laughs> I cannot stand Dan Milstein like. He bugs the shit out of me. There, yeah. There's something deeply annoying about an agent, you know, using that you've whatever heard platform of? he has. Basically <laughs> just like take control of like a hockey team with like his completely mid players. Yeah. You know, like it's one thing when like Alan Walsh or whoever Jake Vertanen's agent was would get mm-hmm. his like crap clients signed like under Benning and then he'd be like, Oh, the media is too mean to him. Yeah. Totally. It was just like, shut the fuck up, dude. Like you got your player signed. Don't, you don't need to comment. You don't need to like make it the fans fault that like you're basically just like hustling, like the stupidest GM in yeah, NHL totally. history. Yeah. And then like, you thought that was over when like for was gone and then enter Milstein who gets like 17 of his clients signed to the team in like a 12 month span. And he just starts doing the same shit. And like out of spite, I'm like, I don't want them to sign. Like, even if Kuzbenko was worth it, I was like, don't sign him. Yeah. I don't want you to sign any client of an agent who's just like willingly like joking and mocking a team for how much control and leverage he has because half of his player base is for the team. Like, I hate that for some reason. I I know. It's it's kind of weird because like I don't I can't really put my finger on why I hate like I understand <laughs> that I hate it, but mm-hmm. I can't really put my finger on why I hate it as much as I do. Right. Because it, it it's one of those things that that's like I think a lot of people's attitude toward it is just that it's funny and kind of <laughs> silly or goofy or whatever. But and I get what an agent's job is, and I understand that like their job is to hype up their players and get the most money that Mm -hmm. uh, they can for them. And that's great. Obviously like good for you do that. 
But there's just something like so irritating about how I think I think what it is is just having to see an agent be an agent in public is really <laughs> yeah. annoying and off-putting because like I remember there was a, there were a couple things that ended up happening where like before the Canucks traded for Zadorov, which by the way, uh, one of the most like instantly wrong I've ever been was when I found out that they were interested in Zadorov. I was like, that doesn't fucking make any sense. They hate playing guys on their offside. Mm -hmm. Like why would they, why do they want like a left-handed defenseman? Yeah. Um, And I mean, I guess like um, Susie's out is Susie left-handed or right-handed actually. I think he's, he's left-handed. He's left-handed because that was the yeah. that was the thing in the off-season was that they signed all these defensemen, but only on the left side. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so I'm I'm remembering that correctly. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I, I I thought that was funny, and I think it will be interesting when Susie's back. Like, they're gonna have to play Zadorov on his offside, and I'm wondering like if that ends up happening. Like, maybe maybe that'll kill the desire to re-sign him but regardless um when he was still in calgary i remember there was like a a news cycle for a day or whatever whatever because milstein tweeted like something about oh like calgary like what can you say about a team that like won't play their best defenseman yeah and it's like man i know you're this guy's agent (laughs) but you sound like a fucking moron yeah. Like you sound like one of the stupidest people alive. Like, yeah, the team that has Noah Hannafin, Rasmus yeah. Anderson, Chris Tanev, and Mackenzie Weger. And you're yeah. like, why can't my like bottom pairing client get more minutes? Yeah. Like and, maybe and he's then, not it, capable. <laughs> you know, they he's kind of gone back and forth on the Kuzmenko thing. Like for the most part, it seems like his line in public has been like, we're working with the team, you know, Mm -hmm. like I think probably because he knows he can't big dick anybody with his client. Who's who sucks uh, at least right now. (laughs) Um, But like there was a, a news story at some point, like earlier this month, or maybe when he initially got scratched about like, Oh, he's on the phone with the team like he's not happy or whatever. And I remember just immediately being like, here's an idea, Dan. Tell your client to play better. Mm. (laughs) Like, I I don't know. He he just really bugs me. And it bugs me that like the Canucks just seem so. I don't know. Like they have such a good relationship with this guy who's just so outwardly and publicly like dogging on them like com- like, like yeah, openly and, co- openly unafraid of being combative with just and such a huckster working with yeah like just such a such a like just has that that vibe of a guy who is just trying to sell ice to a polar bear at all times right yeah and uh yeah i don't know i i do not like him he bothered he really really bothers me for some reason no i think i think a lot of it also like I understand it if you're like hyping up your client, if like the the messaging was kind of like, haha, we're taking advantage of these these billionaires or whatever, and we're gonna get yeah. like these guys paid. But it almost seems like it's it's leveraging like stupid people, like fans or whatever. Like it's yeah. taking advantage yeah. of like 
children almost to a sense like you're yes. robbing children so that you can pay like the, the the criminal like you're you're mr burns you know just like trying to steal a lollipop from maggie simpson like yeah yeah there's something he, insidious he, about what he's doing even he though he gives like, off um uh joe pesci and home alone vibes uh but <laughs> yeah. like but except like not uh funny or charming <laughs> not hilarious yeah but like just the, the 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 exactly what you said that 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 thing of just like yeah like taking candy from a baby almost like i don't know it's it it's like you said i i ultimately the money is coming from like francesco aquilini so, mm-hmm. it, so it's, that is I, great. it's it's totally <laughs> easy and understandable for people to just be like who cares and i yeah. I, I do get that but um, there's just something about like the it's that unearned sense of it's the same thing that's an annoying about when you see Canucks fans that really, really talk like the Canucks are hot shit right now. Mm-hmm. And or take it, like are constantly like whipping out like receipts or whatever after yeah. like the most like inconsequential plays or moments or points from some guy who's not like going to matter in 12 months. Yeah, totally. Like no, no shade to the Canucks. They're playing great. Like I, I haven't really had a bad thing to say about them because I just sort of think like, I'm not gonna whine about PDO until they do something stupid. And then Hmm. I'm going to be like, okay, well you did this, but the reason you're good is because, you have 108 PDO or something, right? Yeah. But like if they're if they're just gonna win a bunch of games that are like, ah, maybe they shouldn't have won that game, or uh, their shooting percentage is really high or whatever, but they're just gonna trade like picks for Nikita Zadorov and like and the Jack Stadnika experiment, like who cares? It doesn't it's mm-hmm. not informing their process in a way that's dangerous. So like you just kind of sound like a whiner or whatever, but at the same time, the people who are out like, you know, out like wolves right now, just being like, look at how fucking good the Canucks are. It's like, OK, well, like, c- congratulations. You you you've you've entered like more than uh, a quarter of the way through the season and not been <laughs> 20 points out of a playoff spot. Like, yeah. just maybe just wait until like you at least clinch a playoff spot or like win around to be talking like you're hot shit or whatever. And it's the same thing with Dan Milstein because it's like, dude, have you looked at who your clients are? Like, Mm -hmm. especially on the Canucks, it's like a third pairing defenseman, a pretty okay, like middle six winger. Who's like good defensively. Who's ironically been uh, like the better fit. (laughs) like of the the two forwards despite the fact that allegedly the Canucks only signed Mikheyev <laughs> so that they could get Kuzmenko um yeah and then a guy who sucks like a guy who I'm sorry has just been bad mm-hmm. um you know he was good last year his results were good last year or whatever has been terrible this year and just like the way he talks about himself and his clients you'd think he was representing Sidney Crosby you know what yeah, I mean? Like you'd yeah. think, like who's his best client? Is is Panarin his his client? Maybe if, if it's I if Panarin say. is his client, then like it's Panarin. 
But also, like, if he was doing all, all the shit that he'd done, and we've gone on way too long about Dad Melstein, but I'll end <laughs> on this. Like, if he was talking the way he talked about Zadorov, about Panarin, I would be like, that's cool. Um, But it's just like these players that just don't, like, it's like no one, no one's buying it, dude. Mm-hmm. No one, no one is convinced. Um, because he was the guy who did the, the Mark Andre Fleury getting stabbed, picture too, right? No, I think that was Alan Walsh. Oh, that was Alan I Walsh. Think, yeah. Okay, yeah, but I like get Alan, the two of them mixed Alan up. Alan Walsh, like, is like kind of cool in that, like, he like goes to bat for his boys, but he also kind of like tweets a shit ton on behalf of like like the players' union. So it's like, yeah. I will forgive him going to bat for his guys or being obnoxious because like he at least kind of has like a good sense of like why unions are important he's not yeah. just like like doesn't and he's actually a funny. salesman <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's actually funny like he tweeted yeah. like a photoshop like that's that's rad he's an internet sh- shit poster that's cool but like yeah there's like this weird sense of entitlement for the milstein clientele where it's just like oh yeah who, okay who he's got he's got datsuk kucherov vasilevsky sergachev barbashev so he's basically got like a bunch of the guys who just won cups yeah <laughs> Which is like, okay, if you want to like, you know, talk about how Ivan Barbashev isn't playing enough for like Vegas, I'd be like, okay, sh- sure, why not? Yeah, he just won a cup for them. He played great. Like, okay, sure, sure. But like, you're you're talking about, like you said, a third pair defenseman on a team with like a stack top four that somehow that still sucks. sucks. Yeah, <laughs> that sucks. Like, <laughs> shut up. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Anyway. Okay. Well, I'm glad I got that out of my system. I really needed <laughs> to do that. Um, one, one other, uh, note, like, I, I feel like at this point, you know, like we're the negative show and, uh, at all times, I just always just sort of feel like the thing about teams that are good is that they are inherently more interesting to watch. And I don't want to say they're less interesting to talk about because that's not quite the case, Mm -hmm. um, because, there's stakes. And so stakes always make co- different conversations more interesting, but there is like sort of a, a limit to how interesting a conversation about like, boy, Quinn Hughes is sure good mm-hmm. can be, you know, um, it's when you so, get into the champagne problems is when it starts to get interesting. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I think um, the, the big champagne problem that the Canucks have right now, that is also like the, the most compelling um, you know, talking point and the one that's certainly like been in roiling around the discourse, uh, certainly the last couple games is Andre Kuzmenko. So we can transition from talking about Milstein to his client. Hmm. Um, but and... back to Dan Milstein being a piece. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see if we have any, uh, any, uh, more, uh, ways to, to shoehorn that into the conversation. But, uh, what do you think happened to Andre Kuzmenko? And is it as simple as he shot 29% and played with Elias Pettersson and now neither of those things is true? Is it that simple? I, I think it literally comes down to the fact that he came into the league as as most like goal-scoring newbies do. So they come in, goalies have no idea what his yeah. tendencies are, and he happened to be playing with one of the franchise's best centers in history. Like... And, and he's given primo power play one duty, which is like when you're playing with like 
a power play that's as lethal as this one is when you have JT Miller, mm-hmm. you have, you know, Elias Patterson, you have Bo Horvat, who was on a contract year scoring something like 50 goals. Like, yeah, yeah. you're going to put up a crap ton of points in your first year. And so I genuinely think he racked up all his points, went into the offseason and was like, well, I've got this all figured out. Like, I know how to score and yeah. beat goalies in this league. I'm going to work out a bit harder, but I'm, I'm, I got paid. So I'm going to go on a huge vacation. And he did to the point of where he pissed off everyone in the coaching staff and management, which is really fucking hard to do, like publicly, where they're really? like, yeah, like they had this huge like thing where like internally, like they were like, coaching was like talking to, speaking of Milstein, mm-hmm. about the fact that he was in Bali on vacation and not like training. See, that's interesting because when I think of Andre Kuzmenko this season versus last season, the immediate thing that I think of is that last season he was fat. He was eating <laughs> cookies on the bench and shit. Yeah. You know, um, and this season he got lean mm-hmm. and he's Lots eating healthy. He doesn't have the power anymore. Yeah. Like, and people are asking, like, people are talking about his shot and how he's shooting less. And like, that's that seems simple to me. He's got no oomph to put into it anymore. Yeah, he leaned out. Like he straight up, like they like sure he got his personal trainer with him in Bali or whatever. Yeah. Did his training thing. But yeah, he clearly lost a crap ton of weight. And he's like, he like had a quote, it was really funny where he was like, uh, I'm no longer eating Nutella. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. in season, which is like just hilarious that a professional has to like cut back and the first thing you list is Nutella. That's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> like it, yeah, so it's really funny like this morning like so speaking of like champagne problems inspiring like mm-hmm. better things to talk about like I was at work and I just was like, "Oh, I'm going to check NHL Edge because they track, you know, skating speed and like all these yeah, other totally. stats right now." And because like people were like, why is Phil DiGiuseppe like playing over him? And I was like, well, let's just look it up. Sure. And sure enough, it's like all the skating speed, all the like, like they track like bursts. So they track like how many times like a player has like a short burst of like 20 to 22 miles per hour to see like when guys are like literally hustling on their shifts. Yeah. And so it's like you look at Kuzmenko's and it's like speed bursts over 20 miles per hour. Three. Yeah. (laughs) Phil Giuseppe, speed burst over 20 miles per hour, 34. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, and then it's like, it just like keeps going on like that, like 18 to 20 miles per hour burst. Andre Kuzmenko, 57. Phil Giuseppe, 153. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's like, that's actually the really cool that you can kind of almost track hustle now. Yeah, like I, I, when I was writing about it, like, like I don't know how else to put this. It's literally hustle per sixty. Like yeah, it's, no, absolutely. It's as at like on its face, like like I'm not gonna say like this is exactly the gospel, like because we all know NHL stat tracking can be like suspect as fuck. But like it's close enough where I could confidently be like, yeah, this matches the eye test. Like one guy is hustling and probably endearing himself into a coaching staff that admires hustle over anything, versus a guy who isn't moving his feet and has been told as much in public. So it kind of makes sense or tracks that like this guy who scored a shit ton of goals and isn't now made that maybe that has to do with the fact that he's just straight up not moving his feet, which sounds like 
generic hockey man like jargon where like if you were asked that question you said that people would be like oh that's so boring it's a canned answer mm-hmm. but yeah. it like just looking at like the analytics or whatever it all points to it literally being as simple as yep he's lost his oomph maybe he needs to like pack on some lbs like maybe it was all like leg fat or like leg muscle <laughs> and like it like he's got like the lactic acid burning or like well muscle weighs more than li- fat so they say so he could lose weight and on the scale and actually just be losing muscle. Although that's, that's not what, what it did. looked like, but like based he did on look the a little lean. Stuff, he did look a little, little leaner, but uh, it, it's very funny to me that a guy could lose weight over the su- summer and like show up to camp, like theoretically, like more in shape and mm-hmm. still have everyone in the like management structure or the coaching of the organization uh pissed off at him for like not training enough or not training properly um could you imagine showing up to your day job with like like an eight pack and just like absolutely shredded and your boss is like you're in terrible shape yeah (laughs) like how rattled you'd be yeah that'd be pretty wild um this also you also touched on another thing that i wanted to mention which is something that has been uh like been kind of rattling around in my brain for the past couple months with how well the Canucks have been playing, which is that just because something is a cliche and just because some, someone says something over and over and over again to the point where it feels like it's lost all meaning does not mean that the thing itself is not true. Hmm. Like something that is a cliche, like get pucks on net or whatever. That's still important. Yeah. Even though it's a thing everyone says. Yeah. Um, and something that I that I think has been like kind of weird to adjust to in Vancouver is that management will target a player, like they'll trade for a player or they'll sign a player, or the coaching staff will come out and they'll talk about like structure and habits and blah, 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 blah. And they say all this stuff. And you're like, this is what anyone would say. Mm -hmm. So it's not after, you know, a decade of losing, basically. It doesn't instill a ton of confidence, Mm -hmm. especially when, like, things have not gone well. But then you, you actually look at a coach who has been able to instill structure and has been able to improve habits. And you look at management targeting these players that like, you know, like you said about Nikita Zadorov, like he actually is big and he actually does use his size and he Mm. actually does finish his checks. And it's like, Oh, these things are real. (laughs) These things actually happen. I thought they were fake and made up because Mm -hmm. I just only saw people (laughs) say it about bad players (laughs) and bad process for almost 10 years. Yeah, Um, because for eight years, you heard uh, the last guy talking about habits and toughness and size and stuff, and it lost all meaning to the point of, like, you you didn't think it actually mattered when it does. I'm starting to think the problem was the stuff. (laughs) Every time the Canucks did something, they would talk about, you know, like 
you know, Jim Benning would do the like, well, we added a guy with uh, yeah. he's really big and stuff. And I think the what whatever the and stuff was <laughs> was clearly not working. And I think the fact that they got rid of it, maybe that is what explains why they're doing so much better. Um, because, uh, yeah, like, I mean, it is nice to have people who uh, speak well and and can explain things like better than Jim Benning can, which is not really saying much. But like, mm. it's not just that either, because like Trevor Linden was born to be in front of the camera and he still got caught in a lot of like lies or just circular thinking or just like things mm. that don't make sense. And honestly, I think if you really wanted to, you could do that with Jim and Patrick too. The yeah. difference is just that like a, everything is working right now, but also yeah. B they're just better at do like, I, I really do think it it's come down to now, like with now that they've had uh, a couple of years, almost, I was thinking about this the other day. Can you believe it hasn't even been a year since Bruce Boudreaux was fired? Oof. That's insane, right? I, and this is we'll talk about this a little bit more when we round up the year, but <laughs> like um I honestly think it it's really just as simple as okay, the rebuilding on the fly, the let's compete now but also build for the future. The the things that Francesco Aquilini wants mm-hmm. are dumb and bad mostly. <laughs> like they are not the best way to run a hockey team they are not the best process but they're also not impossible to do it's a thing it's a it's a route that i would say like probably at any given time a third of nhl teams are at least trying to do Mm -hmm. and a good half of those teams are successful at it yeah and you know the the ultimate um, peak of what they achieve, you know, their ceiling might not be as high as it is for like, you know, a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins who sucks complete shit and drafts like elite generational players and is, you know, with a couple of blips, like basically good for 15 years. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to do that when you're trying to take the shortcut all the time. But like, I remember I wrote an article, um, for Canucks army, like several years ago about how, you know, it was like, we were three years in or four years in. And it was just an article of like, I think it was even like a listicle that was just like, here's all the ways the Canucks botched their rebuild on the fly. And one of the things that I talked about, um, as an example was the Jake Vertanen pick. Mm -hmm. And I was, and Jake Vertanen was not a bust yet. Like, we were we were still a long ways away from that. But one of the things that I said was I was like, okay, you're rebuilding on the fly. You want to be good now and build for the future, but you drafted a project. You drafted a guy who was going to take longer to be the thing that he was going to be, ostensibly. Mm-hmm. Um, Because, like, you thought his skill set was, like, harder to get or whatever. Well, you made the wrong decision. Because you could have drafted, let's just say, Nikolai Ehlers, and after one year, stuck him on the first line with the Sedin twins, and congratulations, 
you have a first line now and a, yeah. and a player who's going to be on your team for uh you know at least 7 years or whatever yeah. um and th- you know and there were a bunch of examples of that mm-hmm. like something that i was trying to kind of like prove through writing the article was that you could argue that it was a bad idea like that it wasn't the way for the Canucks to build like the next contending Canucks team. But it's not like it was impossible to take a team that had the Sedians and Jacob Markstrom and Chris Tanev and Alex um, all these different pieces, uh, uh, like all these different pieces that they had to trade and trade some of them for futures and make some high draft picks and turn the roster over in a way where like, you know, you sort of like draft, uh, maybe, maybe we'll just say like you draft or trade for like one line and then like what, like either a first or second line. And then you go out and you, uh, either, you know, either like do the Nikolai Ehlers thing or like trade um, Chris Tanev and Deanna Canson for mm-hmm. like a struggling like 21 or 22 year old who, you know, turns into um, uh, like Tage Thompson or something <laughs> like that. Right. Yeah. Like like it's not it, it was the my, the point that I was trying to make is like this is not an impossible thing to do. Yeah, These are do things it. they could have done. And I'm literally just some asshole. And I yeah. figured it out. And yeah. and so the 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 thing that's been sort of interesting with Jim and Patrick, and it's taken a while, not that long, but a little while to kind of undo some of the, you know, like largest uh, ordinary course buyout in NHL history, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. But like. It should have never seemed impossible. To take a team with Thatcher Demko Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson and some of the other pieces that they have as well and built that team into a team that can be third in the Pacific. Like that's not actually a hard thing to do. Right. And so you can argue about direction and, and whether they've like taken the best approach, but I do give them credit for the fact that like they're all in move to get a first pairing right-handed defenseman was to trade for Philip Ronick and not Eric Branson. Yeah. Like that's a really it's, big difference. There's a chasm between deciding Heronic's your first pair guy and deciding Good Branson is your top four guy. Or sorry, Heronic's your top four guy or Good Branson's your top four guy. Like just Yeah. Like, yeah, basically, Jim and Patrick have basically done what like Jim and John probably thought they were doing. Yes, just without any of like the the pro scouting capability at all, or amateur scouting really. In hindsight, yeah, the amateur scouting thing is really interesting too because, uh, I mean, I guess jury's still out on on Vasily Podkolzin, but if. If Put Colson mm. doesn't work out and it's not really look like I mean at this point It's not great for a, I think, a tenth overall pick, but I mean Yeah, I think at this point 
aren't you pretty happy if Vasily Podkolzin becomes Dakota Joshua? Yeah, exactly. Like, like that's, and that's a salvage victory. Yeah, and I'm not saying like I'm not saying becomes Dakota Joshua forever. I'm saying like becomes what Dakota Joshua has been this season. You right. know, like big like rangy winger, like double digit goals, can kill penalties, like can be a a driver on your third line kind of guy. Like I think they would take that a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah. Um. But if he doesn't even work out to that point, that will, in a sort of weird kind of way, like feel nice because then we'll really just be able to say, like, the guy that everyone thought was an amazing uh, scout fucked up (laughs) more than half of his top 10 picks. Yeah. And got like, oh, and like, okay, yeah, he got Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson, which is fantastic. But. Mm I, you know, maybe maybe another guy doesn't get those two guys, but he gets more to- way more total value out of five top ten picks. Like, yeah, how many cup contenders could you build with five top ten picks? Oh my god, probably quite a few. Like, I probably quite a few have been, and I'm and you know there are plenty of examples of that not working out, but it's it it's pretty wild. Um, and I will just I will never get tired of of saying like look what the Canucks can do with less than two years of or maybe just I think we're at now like just two years yeah j- two years of like competent management like just, even if like yeah even if you like jump 10 years in the future and you're like oh they didn't win a cup and you know the best they could do was a couple western conference finals you'd still look back and be like well it's still way fucking better than everything that preceded it for eight yeah. years because they yeah. at least had some semblance or idea of what it takes to run a professional NHL franchise. Yes. Because like I, I was literally reading some HF boards posters comment, like bitching about, you know, the uh, AHL team and how Ryan Johnson doesn't do anything. And I had to be like, like buddy, like, Ryan Johnson was scouting ECHL teams during AHL games because he had no scouting staff for him. Yep. Like he was driving players to the airport because they didn't have like anyone from the NHL side working with them on travel or anything. Brian Burke would be so proud. Oh, for sure. (laughs) That's that's straight out of the Brian book Burke playbook. He's probably like sent like text messages to him being like, you're doing a good job there, Ryan. But like, (laughs) Like the guy was like on a complete island, and you just like look back and you're like, yeah, like, I mean, you'll all we'll have this debate for eternity. Like, was the Canucks drafting really this bad over 10 years, or is this just what happens when you literally don't have development staff for eight years straight? When you literally just put your and your AHL team. close enough to your regular (laughs) team that even that without even working that hard you could just go watch a game like like i I, i've thought about that so much about how like just literally think about how much less work it is oh yeah to have the team in abbotsford versus utica like and and i i'm sorry i not to like just relitigate old shit (laughs) But mm-hmm. that was one of the stupidest things 
that I saw a plurality of like fans and media buy from management in yeah. any market, which is like, no, it's the actually more good that we have, yeah, more practice time or whatever else. Like, it's actually good that we have the furthest distance of any like professional sports franchise, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. between our parent team and our farm team. Yeah, like, I think I have like a running joke with JD about like clear sight analytics or like whoever, like the goalie, sure. whatever the goalie analytics are called, where like all the the goalie stats are designed to convince like fans that anything a goalie does is actually good and that mm-hmm. goals against are actually good and that you're wrong for thinking that a goalie's ever made a mistake. And so like it's like the same thing. Like it took like the GM like two interviews where he was like, yeah, the extra four practices a year is actually the main reason why we have the farm team in the middle of nowhere of upstate New York. And everyone just ran with it and was just like, yeah, well, I mean, he said so. Yeah, why sounds right. about that. Yeah. I mean, five practices a year. I mean, they're, they must be kicking ass down there. And it's like they have like a per- perpetual losing record over like seven years. <laughs> like their one playoff run happened because uh, Jacob Markstrom was like a tweener who had no business being in the AHL at that yeah. point. Like that's just so funny to me. I love when that kind of crap happens. But uh, yeah, anyway, I digress. Yeah, that's that's yeah. It, it it was I'm so glad we're past the point where like just to to end on um on this topic and then we'll we'll get into some year end roundup stuff. But like it is just so nice that the Canucks can do things and I won't immediately assume just by virtue of the fact that they are the ones doing it. <laughs> Yeah, that it is the stupidest thing imaginable. <laughs> like, because there were so there was such a long time. Like, I, I would say anything past, um, twenty sixteen, basically. Like, mm-hmm. like that they had after they had that one summer, uh, where you know, like, like in the span of not very much time, they do the Good Branson thing. They sign Louis Erickson. Um, I, I can't remember if that was the same summer that they signed Beagle and. Uh, Roussel, but like that, like once that all of that stuff years happened, later, I think I think it was like a year two later. years later, yeah, but like, or maybe you're right, yeah, yeah. I think Regardless. they were, tw- I think they were the end of 2018, but like, yeah, it was just sure. like, okay, e- each year was like, like a new, new, the new same mistake over and over, exactly. And it, 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 it hit a point where it was genuinely like, okay, no, whatever they do is stupid. And will be stupid. And like that pretty much hit every single time, except for JT Miller, who we will talk about. Um, And really that only worked out because of one like massive fluke, not so much on the Miller being good, which was kind of fluky, but the, COVID and everything conspiring to make it so that that pick didn't end up actually being good because they were based on the, like the entire history um, of uh, the Canucks since that trade uh, minus the, the COVID season happening and them like being able to qualify for the playoffs, which they were out of the playoff race on the day that the season 
ended because of COVID. Like, uh, people would still do the dunking thing and they would still do mm-hmm. the, but like, it would be very different. Um, if the Canucks gave up like Seth Jarvis, right, instead of Shakir Mukmadula, you know, right, people would be like, yeah, Miller's probably better than Jarvis, but also like, look how good Jarvis is, and they'd have him for seven years, and he wouldn't cost any money, and yada yada mm-hmm. yada. Um, and they were they were saved from looking stupid by, uh, not so much how well Miller played, but how, uh, the how well the team ended up randomly playing and then everything yeah. else every everything broke right single them, other thing yeah um it's like okay if if heaven and earth moves and there's a once in a century pandemic something can happen that can make them be able to point to that and go see look how smart we are and yeah. then literally everything else so it's it's just very uh refreshing to to literally as they've done as they did with zadorov um as they've done a couple of other times as they did in the, even in the off season when, even when the, the team hadn't played that well yet, like hadn't um, had just had that run at the end of the year that sewered their draft chances. Like even just that summer being able to just look at moves that they made and been, and been like, I don't know, I guess we'll see. Or like, mm-hmm. I don't like this about it, but I do like this about it. Like actually just being able to talk about the team like a normal person. And right. like they are like they are a normal team. Um, yeah, like like talking about their moves like with just healthy skeptic skepticism and not like like the oh god, here we go again meme. Yeah, exactly. Where it's just like it, you like okay, like I don't like them taking back Anthony Beauvillier, but hey, I love them moving off Anthony Beauvillier like eight months later for a pick. Like, yeah, exactly. A pick they had no business getting. And I like, don't know if I've had an enough of a chance to talk about this but i love that they don't care if they look stupid and i have mentioned this on the show i mentioned this last last week but like that anthony beauvillier thing i just it's just they, there's plenty of examples like they'll just do the thing they should do even if it makes them look stupid and i like that yeah okay like, yeah I'd, I'd rather them be stupid than just stick to their mistakes like i, I was literally just looking this up as you're talking because like mm-hmm. i had to remind myself that <laughs> on top of signing Beagle, they signed Tim Schaller to a $1.9 million contract for yes. two years after he was making $775,000. That rocks. They gave him like almost triple his pay because he scored 12 goals once in his entire career. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, and they kept him for so long and then finally sold him when he had like no value. Yeah, it, it, it really does rock as a salary dump because as a salary, salary dump they could for dump. the to, to and, fully trade. And like, that's the different like that's the really the difference is just that like these guys do stuff that's stupid and they have yeah. done stuff that's stupid, but they generally tend to only be stupid once. Mm-hmm. They don't continue to be stupid like they shouldn't have traded for Anthony Bovillia. Like they shouldn't yeah. have included him in that deal. But then they were like, okay, this guy's not working. Let's get rid of him. Let's take advantage of another team and yeah. just dump his entire salary and get a pick back. Like it great. is literally like like they take like the stupid aspects of like their trade returns and then they're like, let's fix that by making doing something smart with it. Exactly. And I respect that. I respect that too. Yeah. So um I, in our final segment here, I want to talk about the year that was. I want to go through some of the the things that happened 
uh, some do do a little bit more analysis of uh, of some of the things that we maybe haven't gotten as much of a chance to talk about. Um, but I'm going to open by asking you. In terms of the calendar year, so not the season, but just the okay. calendar year 2023. What was the story of the year in Vancouver? Ooh, damn. Calendar year. Okay, wait. When did Bruce Boudreaux get fired? <laughs> it was in January, and I like where you're going with this because I think it's still Bruce Boudreaux. I, I think it has to be because that was so hard to watch unfold in real time. It really was, yeah. And kind of like to your point, like it is still – it's shocking that – a year has not passed since that moment because like, man, like that was such like that season, obviously like dragged out and felt like the like the oh, slowest really crawl to death yeah, of all time. And it was that like prolonged walk down the plank. The worst season I've ever had to cover. Yeah. I like think. the, I, I think a personally. season, a season that I think killed any kind of future prospects in writing for a lot of people. Like yeah. I'm sure there were some like kids who were like, I'm going to message David Quadrelli about starting to write about the team. Cause they're going to turn it around. And then that season happened and what, how the team treated Boudreaux. Yeah. Where I remember, I think I did the stanchies actually for the game where he like was crying on the bench and like saluting the crowd. And you know, the one of the things too, just as a note on that, where you, it's like, you know there are no hockey gods. There is only hockey is only a game of Satan, and he's the <laughs> only person that cares about hockey or watches hockey. Is that the Canucks lost that game? Yeah, because they because they were they went something like zero and seven or something in <laughs> yeah. their last seven games with Boudreaux. Yeah, and it's like they and they clearly cared so much about him, and they were clearly so pissed off, and they couldn't win that game. Yeah. And that like that is how you know. Satan is the only uh, eternal being that cares about hockey. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that yeah. was it was that it was, was one of it was it, it. The Canucks just haven't been the center of the hockey world since in that way. I'm sorry. There's yeah. no amount of like PDO benders or whatever that can that can change that. It it is. I agree with you. It is the story of the year. But I will say um, the Bruce Boudreaux thing. You know, there's no easy way around it. Like, they did not handle it well. It mm. was not okay. I do. I have not forgiven them for it. <laughs> yeah. But big but. Um, my anaconda don't want none. Uh, <laughs> they the the way that the situation with Boudreaux and Tockett has unfolded now is, I think, the clearest example of you having to hand it to them for not being afraid to look stupid. Right. Because the worst example of it <laughs> look stupid and shitty. Yeah. And boy, have they turned it around by hiring a, a new coach, like and doing a bunch of other things as well. But yeah. the, the way that, um, I mean, the way it was explained to me by someone closer to the situation than myself was that it was a staring contest basically between Jim and Frankie and Frankie finally blinked yeah. and it, it was essentially Jim just being like, okay, do you want to run the team? 
So then, <laughs> then run the team. Like this is what it's going to look like. And if it, I, I'm, I feel bad for Boudreaux, but if that's what it took for, um, the, the management of the team to actually get to run the team again and not have the owner constantly play GM, then mm-hmm. I have to at least respect the form, you know, the, I have right. to, or not, not really. I have to respect. Yeah. I have to respect what they've done. Like I have to respect the, the end game of it. Even if I don't, um, even if I don't really know if the means justified or the ends justified the means. Sorry. Yeah. Like it, if the end goal was to return the hockey management into the hands of hockey management to like a, like a, like a Gillis era level of autonomy where ownership has nothing to do with decisions or contracts besides signing the check. Like it was a Pyrrhic victory because Boudreaux a lovable guy. He, he was fun. He had his like little infatuation with like uh fake wrestlers. Like that's yeah. cute. And that was fun. And so you you hate to see it have to be him that falls on the sword mm-hmm. for this to happen to an owner who is, you know, as despicable as the Aquilini is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like a part of that too is like, I do respect like to the whole point of like, these guys aren't afraid of making themselves look stupid. They also weren't afraid of, you know, putting their jobs on the line too, by kind of making the ownership group look stupid too, because I think Rutherford had that one quote with like Friedman or IMAC or whoever, where he was just like, yeah, when I took the job, I didn't know that Boudreaux had an extra year. So that's why we're in this situation. Like he was just straight up like, yeah, like just telling everyone like, look, this isn't like, yeah, this is our bad and it doesn't look great. We hope the team can turn it around. But like, just so you know, this isn't all on me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I kind of like that. Like you're saying, like he's, he's having a staring contest with their owner where he's like, look, I'm going to make us all look stupid in this situation. But if you fire me, I'm still going to have jobs lined up and you're still going to be the owner of the Vancouver Canucks Yeah, and everyone's going to know it. Like, I respect the hell out of it, even if it will probably go down as like one of the biggest stories of probably the Canucks decade, really. Yeah, yeah. And maybe the ugliest coaching, uh, like coach firing since uh, Roger Nielsen, funnily enough. In, uh, <laughs> yeah in Toronto. um okay so a few a few more superlatives and then we'll just tackle uh uh a few different uh small stories from the year to wrap up so what would you say was the biggest surprise of the year and and of, this of is just for year. you you can just guess like or you can just um not guess but uh uh just pure conjecture i don't it doesn't there's no objective uh value being placed on any of this like just what was the thing from this year that surprised you the most i mean i don't want to say i was too surprised because i knew it was going to happen but i do like for as much praise as we have given jim and patrick for this i still am mildly surprised that they signed kuzmenko to a two-year 11 million dollar deal interesting based off of what it was such what was so plainly obvious, like a like a career shooting bender. Yes. Like I'm I'm sure that the thing is, like, I say I'm surprised, but I'm sure they could see it coming too. Mm-hmm. It was probably one of those things where it was like, you sign with us, you've got eleven million dollars. We'll decide if it's over two years or three years, depending on how his season goes. Um, 
and they were caught off guard by the fact that he was shooting 30% over a season. Like that's, yeah. that's a tough one for them. I'm sure they knew the second they agreed to that deal, when they initially signed him, they were like, there's no way he's going to replicate this. So it either keeps on working out or it doesn't. And, but we're not afraid to look stupid if we have to. Totally. Okay. So like, well, let's, yeah. let's come back to that one because that's going to come up for me. Okay. Uh, in a, in a later superlative. Um, my biggest surprise of the year, uh, is probably not one that anyone else would pick, I think. <laughs> um, cause there's a lot of good ones, right? There's, uh, on, honestly, like JT Miller playing the best hockey of his career, like best all around hockey of his career at 30 years old. Yeah. That's a good one. That would be a good one. Um, the Canucks picking, I, I was I was very very close to picking this one. Like the Canucks trading Bo Horvat instead of J.T. Miller, right? Yeah, or, that'd be a good one too. You know, like uh, or just trading Bo Horvat in general. Yeah, um, you could also obviously pick like the Canucks playing as well as they have. Although to be honest with you, that has never actually been like I have through this entire process not been that surprised. Because I always thought these players were good. Mm-hmm. And also the way they're doing it, it makes sense. Like, sure. I think it would be a bigger surprise if we were uh, at the end of the year, at the end of the calendar year, and the Canucks were in the position they were in. And they had the best underlying numbers in the league. Yeah, like if they're playing like shocking. If they're playing like the Devils or something, where it was like they were out shooting every opponent fifty-two to thirteen or something. Yeah, it was just like a domination of five v five, and they're getting like unreal scoring. Then you'd be like, "Oh wow, I didn't expect this." But because they're doing it in the way where it's like they're just getting elite goaltending and their shooting clip is through the roof, you're like, "Yeah, exactly." It's like, "Oh yeah, no, that makes sense." And 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 that isn't to take away from them either, Mm -hmm. because I I do I've talked about this a lot on the last episode like i do think they're good like i think they are a team because ultimately here's here here's the deal like you look at their profile what are they they're a 50 50 team at five on five with great goaltending elite player elite like top end players and a really really good power play and mm-hmm. a penny, penalty kill that isn't the worst in the league anymore. <laughs> not not the like, historically worst in the league, yeah. yeah. What do you call a team with that profile? It's a pretty good team. Yeah. It's a team that should make the playoffs. It's yeah, a team it's... that 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 if the world is fair, will make the playoffs, will be first wild card or third in the division. So it's not yeah, to it's... take away from them because – even even minus luck, they would still be in the race. They would still be way better than they've been. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, I think it would be a much bigger surprise if they were actually the best team in the league and not a team with a massively overheated shooting percentage in particular. Because yeah. the goaltending, we can expect to be good. But mm-hmm. uh, for me, the biggest surprise of the year, just for me, was the Philipronic trade. Yeah. Not just how it's worked out because it's looked pretty good so far, but more specifically that it happened. Mm. I was floored when that happened because it was the first 
time, like, or it wasn't actually the first time, but it was the, the most important time, like the biggest example, the, the crystallization of me feeling like, oh my God, these guys are just Jim Benning and John Wisebrod with better PR. <laughs> like they're I, doing which has not actually turned out to be the case but right just in that moment like oh no it's happening again as you're saying that i'm I'm realizing now i'm like i don't think it falls in the can- calendar year though but mm-hmm. the other one would have been the fact that they extended jt miller ahead of last season but yes. it, it doesn't fall within 2023 no but yeah in that same vein as the making the heronic deal it's like oh no this is just new jim with yeah. like you said better marketing yeah absolutely but better communications it's worked out really well um mm. so far we'll talk about some of the downsides yeah uh, kind of towards the end um because there's one last there's one criticism that i have of them that is gonna that touches on a lot of different things so um i have two more yeah um and I'm gonna I'm gonna present this in the most like uh, meme um, brain poisoning way possible. Um, there's a lot of different things you could do. You could do like biggest. You could talk about like the biggest winner or you know the most positive or uh, the biggest loser or whatever. But I am gonna just present this as <laughs> 2023 in the Canucks sphere. Who's the biggest Chad? Who's the biggest virgin of 2023? <laughs> oh, fuck. Biggest Chad. Damn. Oh, man. Is the biggest Chad Quinn Hughes? Uh, or, I mean, that, that's a great... Or is it, or is it J, or 2023, or is it JT Miller? I mean, there's a lot of good answers here. You can pick a lot of players because, like, maybe it's Pedersen because he set himself up for the biggest yeah. payday of a Canuck all, of all time. And this is the thing: like, you can you can look at it in a lot of different ways, right? Yeah. Like, literally, uh, like you could literally just be like, "Who's the hottest guy?" Um, yeah, like there's there's know, some there's... big Chad energy across the entire lineup, with the exception of the the loser, who is probably who I picked for the biggest surprise <laughs> it's got i i mean okay why don't we start there the yeah. virgin is andre kuzmenko yeah without and a I doubt real, and i realized that he did still technically have a pretty amazing second half to his season mm-hmm. but i think the um the crack in the armor like the first sign of trouble was the pride jersey thing Yep, I also and, uh, did the stanchies for that game too. Ah, uh, nice. And really, ever since that moment, it's just been a slow decline mm-hmm. in esteem, in play. You and, hate to see it. <laughs> um, it's it's really not it's really not good. Uh, the the just clearest. Um, and this is this is this is the thing about. <laughs> Uh, you know, this is where that Canucks fan, that uh, particularly like Benning era Canucks fan thing sneaks back in a little bit uh, yeah. because like Andre Kuzmenko was the most obvious milkshake duck candidate I have ever seen in my entire life. Oh, for as sure. As much as Jim Benning 
and John Weisbrad and Trevor Linden did really stupid shit that you knew immediately <laughs> would make them look bad, like, and and probably in very short order. What's happened with Andre Kuzmenko to me is like the most predictable thing I think I've ever seen. Even mm-hmm. in even with all of that history of uh of you know typical Benning blunders or whatever, like it was just you you knew it was gonna happen. It was like, oh, he's gonna not wear a pride jersey. Yeah. He's gonna come back next year and he's gonna score like 12 goals. <laughs> Say what you want about Jim Benning and his era of Canucks owner or uh, Canucks management. Yeah. All of his players wore pride jerseys. Yeah. <laughs> Even Nikita Trampkin did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. That's that's a very fair point. Um, okay, so uh, moving on from that to the to the biggest Chad. I think personally, and some of this is recency bias because I'm aware that it is a full calendar year, and so mm. that technically encompasses last season too. Mm. Um, and so for me, I think this is this is like a head versus heart thing. It's a um, a there's a right answer versus an answer I like sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the right answer has to be Rick Tockett mm. because that is a guy who went from being booed in his first game. Right. To being the heel pretty much in the market yeah. because he was the guy who replaced Bruce Boudreaux. He was the stepdad. To he's the stepdad who like he's the stepdad who now everyone calls dad. Yeah. Like yeah. that's literally the change that he has undergone. Um from I'm not here to try to replace your dad to <laughs> literally the the child calls you dad. Um yeah. let me show you how to change your royal son. Exactly. Okay. Like uh and uh and you know, credit to him. Like I it's hard to it's hard to know how much to attribute to him because mm-hmm. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, like, do you really think Rick Tockett is that different from Travis green? Like, yeah, I like... just don't, I just don't really buy that. Um, but that says more about, I think Travis green being unfairly maligned than it does about uh, Rick Tockett being unfairly praised. Right. But at the same time, I, the thing that's really impressed me about him is one, just how easy to understand he is, how transparent he is, mm-hmm. how much like the things he does just and talks and talk about like makes sense, and um, uh, how uh, how consistent he is, like how uh, how impossible it has been to catch him in a moment of hypocrisy or to catch right. him in a lie. Like yeah. he will bench JT Miller mm-hmm. and this Andre Kuzmenko thing has not reflected poorly on him because we've seen him do this to everyone else. And yeah. the things that he talks about, like I can't think really in recent memory of another coach who would say, this is what I want. This is what we need from this guy. I'm not happy with this guy or, you know, this isn't happening. He needs to do this mm-hmm. and then not be able to point to someone else and be like, but what about that guy? It's like, nope, he, he will bench that guy too. He will mm-hmm. scratch that guy too. Or, you know, even if you might not agree with the process, like you can pull up the, 
um, the edge uh, data and be like, nope, say what you will about Phil Giuseppe. He literally has more hustle. You can measure it mm -hmm. in, in speed. Um, and because of that, I think even if the results weren't as great as they have been, um, he would he would come out of this this year looking like the biggest Chad because he just has the trust of the organization and also of the fans, which is huge because this mm -hmm. is a, a, a market that has not had trust in anyone. Right. For, yeah, for a really long time. It is a huge change of pace where like before under Travis Green, you'd always talk about like, you know, guys needing to earn their ice and, you know, play hard and whatever. And then on a night to night basis, Louis Erickson would get like the third most minutes at five on five. And you'd be like, there's a disconnect here. Whereas Rick Tockett comes in and in his first eight months or like first three months on the job, he's like, he's like shaking his head in disbelief with the media. He's just like, I don't know what the fuck our team's doing. Like, I don't understand assignments i don't know what anyone's trying to accomplish like he's in literal disbelief in post-game scrums after like losses to the kraken just like cannot understand how this is a, a functioning nhl team and then he comes in and he holds every single one accountable like yeah like to come in after the boost bruce boudreaux situation get booed and then immediately get the trust of the fan base who were just like oh he coached arizona like he sucks he's not a good coach yeah. Like it takes a lot. Like, like that's great communications right there on his part. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that play or that has a lot to do with like his time on TNT broadcast where he had to explain plays. He had to explain like methodology, tactics, all that to like a generic or like a broad audience. So he knows how to deal with like a wide ranging audience where it's from players to fans, to pundits, to his you know superiors mm -hmm. so now he knows how to communicate like top to bottom where travis green really struggled with that where you there was a, there was a disconnect whereas here he's outwardly just saying andre kuzmenko he needs to forecheck first that's where he's got to start so every fan watching this game or watching him coach is like well i can't disagree because i just saw an andre kuzmenko shift where he coasted out the blue line and then did a lazy change like, yeah, I cannot absolutely. disagree with anything he says because he backed it up by scratching him the next game over, you know, Teddy Bluegers or Pius Suter, <laughs> yeah, or Sam, yeah. like whoever, whatever fourth line guy. By the way, and like, I just I'm sorry. You saying this just just made me I have to point this out. I, Teddy Bluger, it is so cool how he just changed his ethnicity in the middle of his NHL career. Like, yeah, what the hell? That I is that so too, amazing. I... Like he just fucking one day he, he like th this this Latvian guy who's been walking around just being like, uh, uh, yes, I am, I, I am Theodore's Blugers is <laughs> is just like, uh, yo, it's, uh, it's Teddy. Hey, it's Teddy, Teddy fucking from Pittsburgh. Over yeah, here. like, um, amazing stuff. I uh, I actually like did like triple takes too because you scroll through like the elite prospects lineups or whatever and it would just say teddy bluegers and you'd be like i thought they signed like a theodore's bluegers guy what who's yeah. this guy is he like a different player i'm confused the way that he like okay going from theodore's to teddy that's that's cool that's good 
That's 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 impressive. Yeah. Wiping the S <laughs> off of Bluegers to become Bluger. I I swear to God, like I think he has probably made <laughs> an additional million dollars because of that <laughs> decision. Deal. Like like just in general. Just being like, <laughs> I'm going to convince people that I'm an American guy named Teddy Bluger and not a Latvian, which I assume he's Latvian because it's it, just there was way too many S's, S's for him. Not to yeah. Be, yeah. Um, but yeah, just amazing stuff. Yeah, good for him. There, I, there's my yeah. there's my surprise of 2023 is when uh, Teddy Bluger's um, <laughs> pulled a bit, pulled a Berenstein Bears on everybody. Yeah, and change, yeah. <laughs> change his name and ethnicity. Yeah, amazing. Uh, okay, so I actually realized that I, I, I have a way I can do two more for the end of the year that'll allow me to talk about the other things that I want to talk about. Um, I ended on such a positive note last time that I'll do this one. I'll flip it and make it negative. Um, <laughs> and we'll do for twenty twenty four. Looking ahead, biggest hope. And biggest fear. Oof. And I will say in the hope section, um, because you are the the farm team guy, if mm. there's anything with regards to prospects or what's going on in Abbotsford that you can sort of roll into the hope discussion, even if it's not your your biggest one, you know, right. um, please feel free to do that plug for uh-huh. all of your work over at Canucks Army and et cetera, et cetera, um, covering both the, the big club, but also the the prospect system and the farm team and stuff. Yeah, damn, biggest hope and biggest fear. Okay, biggest hope, because after having covered, I don't know how many games now for Abbotsford this year, mm-hmm. I see a lot of like, this guy can come up and play nine or 10 games for you, and yeah. he'll be totally fine. But yeah. I'm not seeing any guy where I'm like, oh, this guy is you know the next middle six player for the team totally i don't see that really same on defense like really fair i don't really see it either so my biggest hope is that jonathan lakaramaki's d2 season that he's having right now i'm hoping that is for real and this guy is like william nylander incarnate yeah and he and you know this this is twofold because i mean if you have a William Nylander on an ELC come in, but you, you lose Elias Patterson, it, it doesn't matter. You yeah. lost Elias Patterson and yeah. Ho- like hopefully William Nylander works with uh, this team's version of Jonathan Tavares. Yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, like they need it so bad. <laughs> Wouldn't it really be awesome? If it would be great. That other top six player that they really need, like, Oh, they just really need one more driver. Wouldn't it be awesome if they already had that guy? And wouldn't it be great too if it was like it's this guy that everyone wrote off because he had yeah. mono and a concussion and all these yeah. other issues in his like D one? Like absolutely, totally. Like it's one thing if it's just like you know, oh, there's Tom Willander. He's in the NCAA and he's barely putting up like a point per game while playing with like a generational talent scoring three points a game, like. That sucks. Like, I don't know if you like maybe he's your your hope for the future that he's like the next like right handed Alex Edler, but like that sucks. And it's way cooler of a story if this guy who was like basically like like who would have been written off if Jim Benning and John Weisbrod were still at the helm. Yeah. 
if that guy suddenly is just like the top six fixture on an ELC for this team starting next year. Yeah. Yeah. That would be amazing. So that's, that's a good answer. That's a really good answer. My answer is going to relate back to the head versus heart, uh, thing um that i said about naming uh rick talkett as the the biggest chad Mm -hmm. uh because the guy that i wanted to name as the biggest chad is a guy i talked about at length in the last episode which is brock besser hell yeah um and my biggest hope for uh, for next year is that brock besser continues to be the guy that he's been this season Mm -hmm. as opposed to last season but more specifically my hope is that he esta- he finally like establishes himself as a consistent, you know, top six, top line, uh, scoring offensive forward that can, you know, help a team for a long time. Uh, because he's he like he's my favorite Canuck, at least in terms of like as a guy. Mm-hmm. Um. And I I really do th- think like the conversation about him and ar- around to him has just been so strange. It it's never really made sense to me. He was a guy who people talked about. It, it, he he was I think the best way to put it is he was a classic example of the of Canucks fans making themselves or making a player, a victim of their insane expectations. Right. Because like he was a guy who they drafted late in the first round. He looked like a pretty decent value pick. It was like, okay, if this guy hits, he could be a pretty rad, like uh, one shot scorer. He has, it goes as well for him as it possibly could in the NCAA. It goes as well as it possibly could for him as a rookie until he gets injured mm-hmm. and then it really if you think about it i think with re- particularly with regards to what happened to him off the ice it then went about as badly yeah. as it could have possibly gone for him and he's just never gotten a chance to just be normal Mm-hmm. Like he's never gotten a chance to just be the player he is. He's either been totally overheated and like having a crazy, you know, even right now, like totally yeah. overheated or having a crazy rookie season. um, Or he's been carrying a terrible team where the players who are supposed to be the best on the team are either hurt or just totally MIA. Right. Or he's been like struggling with his dad dying or yeah. like some other messed up thing happening off the ice. Mm-hmm. And so my my hope for for 2024 is I just want to see Brock Besser like I mean it would be super dope to see Brock Besser win the Rocket Richard. That would oh, be yeah, awesome. for sure. But like that would be really rad. I would just like to see Brock Besser be like become like a guy that people talk about as like oh Brock Besser he's like a guy who can play on your first line. You know, yeah, like, 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 like if he was this team's like Brock Nelson, you know, like totally. he's just like, yeah, just exactly. he's just a guy who you look up his stats page and then he like casually has like a 40 goal season sprinkled in between yeah. like nothing but like 30 goal seasons. Like yeah, he's totally. just constantly, like, constantly effective, not talked about universally. Nope. Like the team isn't banking on him 
succeeding for them to succeed. He's just completely effective. He's just a really good player who's your third best forward or something. Like yeah. a guy that you that you look you look at four or five years from now and you're like, oh, I wonder what the, uh, how this guy's done. And you're just like 70 points, mm-hmm. like like pretty much a season. Yeah. Like, oh, he was a, yeah. He had a point per game season last year. I didn't oh, even know wow. that. Good that's for cool. Him. Great. Yeah, Great. exactly. That's my that's the that's my biggest hope, because I haven't had a lot of people to root for <laughs> as people, I feel like in a long time. And when I have, yeah. it hasn't exactly gone well, like with like with Bruce, um, mm-hmm. for example. So, yeah, that's my biggest hope. Uh, biggest fear. I'll let you go first, and I'll end on a on a note of on a dour note of um, <laughs> of anxiety for the future. Um, uh, this this will be a tie. Now that you've brought up Brock Besser, I'm gonna say biggest fear is that they trade Brock Besser. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I like that. because yeah. I mean, pe- pl- players don't really play out their entire careers with the same team, but it would be so cool. Like after like this $6 million deal he's on right now, like if he signed like a cheaper contract that just like had like term on it. Yeah. Totally. And like, kind of to like your point, like he's just like a completely effective top six to middle six provider Yeah, who doesn't like the team isn't banking on him being like the hero. Yeah. Even though they did like a few years ago, like he carried them through the COVID years or the two post COVID years. He was yeah. their best forward. And everyone that was pissed off at him the last two seasons just like completely forgot completely about it. Like that, forgot that. That'll yeah. never piss me off more than anything was when he literally put the team on his back and everyone was just like, he sucks. He can't do anything. Yeah. Like, it's just that. strange. Like it, 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 it is really weird to me that there was this kind of sense after last year, like he's cooked, he's not good. Mm-hmm. He's never. And it was just like, you do realize like, he's been good longer than he's been bad. Right. Like, yeah. like, and it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I understand, like, I remember JD was one of the people who, and he talked about this both publicly and privately of just being like, man, like Brock Besser is not having a good year. Like, yeah, he does not look good and fair enough. And and he was like, yeah, like I, I think his, his case for like, they should get off of him is just like, they're never going to get value on this guy. Like, mm-hmm. Um, if you can cash in with whatever, you might as well do it before totally. the value and, is completely cratered. And that's fair. Like I, I understand that. So I'm not, I'm not like totally shit talking every person who had questions about Brock Besser because I do think they were they were warranted reasonable. last year, right? Like and warranted, but there was just a level of negativity that never made sense. That right. was just it, like why, what, like you've seen how good this guy can be. Not mm. just once, but like a couple of times, and he's you've seen him grown his game. You've seen him like find different ways to succeed, right? And you know, and and he even his like he didn't actually have a bad quote unquote season until last year. Yeah, he had it's- like re- different ranges of really, really overheated and good to like kind of having bad luck and not doing as well. But it just was so strange to me that, like I said, like he just never really got to just be the player that he is. He's, Mm -hmm. he's only ever been expectations are way too high and, or, or sorry, or this guy sucks. Yeah. 
which is truly truly unfair because the guy the dude does rock. He's just yeah. a simple guy. He's he's rad. Who's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's a guy who is always has a good attitude, always has a nice thing to say, always friendly. And the yeah. only time I've ever seen him break from that was because some people on the internet were making fun of a girl with Down syndrome that he took to prom. Right. That is like that's as good as it gets in terms mm-hmm. of like a dude in hockey. That's um, a guy you want to have signed to $6.6 million. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, and, and that's the other thing too, right? Is like, you think of all the people the market has defended yeah, over but... the past, like several and years still and... defend to this day. Yeah. And, and they just never had time for that yeah. guy, especially with what was going on off the ice. Like I, mm-hmm. it's crazy to me. That I feel like I didn't read, and I, I I apologize if I'm wrong. Like I can't read every article, and I can't follow the discourse the way some people do. But I feel like I I never read an article last year about like oh maybe the reason Besser's having a shitty year is because his dad died, <laughs> or like yeah because was... other stuff has happened, or or because actually worse than his dad being dead was his dad being actively in the process of dying. Right. You know, and, and I and I feel like we didn't find out about that until after, until he was actually doing well. And we got the article. I can't remember who it was by, unfortunately. I feel like it might have been Drance, but I'm could have been someone else, too, where he said, yeah. like, I started to resent hockey because it was keeping yeah. me away from my family. Yeah. Um, Which completely fair, man. Yeah. Pretty reasonable. <laughs> fuck, fuck playing hockey when that's what your dad and your mom are going through back home. Imagine like, getting 55 points. When you resent yeah. hockey, like that's the other thing too, right? You know, yeah, like, it was never that fucking bad. It was just like not great. Yeah, um, and even then, it was still, it's still like, yeah, it's just the retroactive like hate and scorn for him, like pretending like he was never good and that like he was always bad, even though during his lowest moments he was still like better than half the guys that like some of these people had defended over the last like yeah, eight years exactly like like yeah. like three times as better as some of the people they were defending it's just like blows your brain it's really really hard to understand yeah, <laughs> yeah really okay do you do you have a, a secondary fear that the, you wanted to voice the, as well oh yeah the secondary fear well man maybe i have three okay okay first one because I think this one's simple as hell, and we don't really need to. I mean, maybe you want to go into it, but sure. Elias Pettersson yeah. pulls it, pulls a Kachuk, and it's yeah. just like I'm out. That's that's the obvious one. That's yeah. the that's the obvious one. Third, which would be I like is obviously as damaging, is that the rumors of Philip Hronik possibly commanding an eight million dollar contract, and he gets it. Okay, yeah, I, I will return to that because that relates to mine. Okay. Um. Anything else? Those are the those are the ones. So, those are my Besser, those are my big Hronik. three. Okay, I think. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's fair. So this is the the last thing that I I sort of wanted to bring up, and so I con- constructed a question around it. Um, there is one thing that this front office has done consistently that's very bad, mm-hmm. and that is buttering players up for themselves. Right. They've done that with Miller. They did it with Kuzmenko. And they're doing it right now with Philip Ronick and maybe mm-hmm. some other guys too. Yeah. And Hronik is is the big fear. I think like it's the biggest one, but there's lots of guys. 
you can point mm-hmm. to. Um, and with Miller, you know, it's worked out so far. I still think there's just no way that contract doesn't look terrible by the end of it. Yeah. Um, there's just no way. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I think like betting on Miller to have a career season at 30 was, was crazy and it mm-hmm. happened. So good for him. And, you know, maybe there's reason to think like, He's not going to age the same way most players do. But like it's we're almost certain this is the best he's ever going to be. You right. Like, the, like for all we know, like like another one of those biggest fears is that this is the absolute apex of what he will be and next year is just like the wheels fall off. Exactly. Yeah. Um and you know maybe that won't happen. Yeah, uh, maybe Fingers it'll take crossed, a while because I've that's going to be a long decade. Been, <laughs> been wrong about the guy before, certainly. So yeah. yeah, but like you know, that's one of those things. But at least bringing it back around, at least he's been great this year. Mm-hmm. At least he was great when they signed him, and right, you know, and at least like the caps going up, and you know, there's 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 potential for this to really only look like a really bad deal in the last couple of years, and even by then it won't look as bad as you thought it would when it was signed, you know, mm-hmm. because the cap goes up or whatever. And With, he also um, got, he also got paid too, based on the, like on the backs of him, not having his bread buttered by like being parked on Leas Patterson's wing. Like totally, he did it yeah. basically off of his own accord. So like you can live with it with her own. It's yeah, like, that really is scary because it, that has a potential to turn out more like Andre Kuzmenko. Yeah. I think. Um, so and, and so to to like make that into a broader thing, not just talk about Hronik, there's a lot of guys that people are talking about right now. And like, oh, the Canucks would really probably really like to re-sign him, mm-hmm. you know? And I honestly think the lesson from this season should be that the Canucks have do not have a reason to fall in love with their own players. The oh, only yeah, guy 100%. who they absolutely need to sign is Elias Patterson. Yeah. Everybody else, Sam Lafferty, Dakota Joshua, even Philip Ronick, the the proof of concept that this year has or the thing that this year but particularly this season has given us proof of concept of is that you can find guys mm-hmm. that is a thing that an experienced uh competent nhl front office should be able to do it's a thing that we've now seen this actual front office do not just somewhere else but here yeah they can find guys yeah, their their entire blue line is literally just you can find guys, with the exception of Hughes and Myers. It, it, yeah, it's exactly. just it's just a bunch of guys like cobbled together. Their bottom six, like it's like they've identified like line drivers, and they're just like, all right, th- like rotate whoever in there because they're gonna make it work. Connor Garland has made it work with Dakota Joshua and Teddy Bluegers, two guys who like aren't exactly like lamp lighters, you know? No. Yeah, like, exactly. If you re-sign Pedersen and God willing, they do. Yeah. And boom, you know, you've you've got your guys. You just need to round it out with 
a bunch of cheap pieces that you, you can get wherever for fifth or sixth round picks from three years down the road. Yeah. Because they've done it repeatedly and have mostly won the balance of those trades. Absolutely. And so, you know, the, the, the thing that, the thing that scares me though, is that they are gonna do, they are going to fall in love with their own players the way they did with Andre Kuzmenko, that they're going to, mm-hmm. that they're, that the endowment effect is going to take over, but we've seen it go both directions. And we've also seen them make mistakes and then move off of them, you know? Right. And one thing that, that I, I sort of, that's sort of interesting about this Canucks front office is that in the past, you would always laugh at these stories about who the Canucks are looking to trade or whatever, or the rumors, because you would just be like, oh, very funny. The Canucks want to trade one of their players that no one wants. And what they want to get back is something that everyone wants. Uh, simple, <laughs> easy. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest problems was that they didn't understand something that this front office does seem to understand anyways, which is that like you can make a deal that doesn't do two things that you want in the same deal. Like they would, they would talk so much about, we want to make a hockey trade. Whereas this, (laughs) this front office will just be like, no, we're, we, we're not looking to collect draft picks, but we'll just trade our best piece for draft picks among other things and then trade the draft pick for something we want so that we don't have to go looking for a team that wants Bo Horvat, but also wants to give up a defenseman. Mm -hmm. We'll just trade the best piece for the best package. And then like, as much as that trade pissed me off at the time, at least they weren't trying to get Philip Ronick in the Bo Horvat trade. That would have made their like, uh, you know, that would have dwindled the number of potential trade partners down to zero, basically. Yeah. Because it just doesn't work that way. And so, you know, my my hope is that this team is smart enough uh, to to look at some of these guys and and go like, no, like this is great. We our our pieces have value now, and mm-hmm. you know the the really amazing thing would be if they like win a staring contest with Philip Ronick and his agent and just are like, we're not going over this number, yeah, and like we will trade you. Yeah, we'll we'll move you down to be to a pairing with yeah. you know Zadarov on his normal side for thirty games, and your mm-hmm. points are gonna completely fall off, and your arbitration case is gonna just like crater, and we'll yeah. trade you at the deadline. Yeah, totally. Like, like I because because that's the thing. Like, especially you know if they if they just do it in the off season, like they do an actual pump and dump. I have confidence that they could use that money and the assets they have to find another Philip Ronick. For and, sure, because yeah. Like, and that, you know, that goes into the biggest fear. Like, my biggest fear, basically, as it pertains to Philip Ronick specifically, is that they will convince themselves that they found the secret sauce, that they found mm. the guy who works with Quinn, Quinn Hughes, instead of understanding or realizing that the history of Quinn Hughes' career is that every guy works with Quinn Hughes. Yeah. And that Heronic is just like, oh, wow, look what happens if we get like a guy who is actually, you know, like top remotely competent. Yeah. yeah. 
Some like, guy who's remotely remotely competent with moving the puck in the offensive zone. Who's not literally a guy we picked up off the scrap heap. Yeah. Who's just like a NHL defenseman who unquestionably belongs in the top six you know, uh, of every team in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Like who just meets that bar. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. So, you know, that's that's what we that's what we have to look forward to. Um, things are looking pretty good right now, but there's always reasons to be anxious. Yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the big takeaway from all of this is that at least things are interesting. Yeah. Exciting. And if they do fuck these things up, (laughs) the, the response will be you know, dramatic. It'll be, we'll be disappointed. We'll, we'll, we'll be angry instead of just exasperated. Mm-hmm. It'll be like, you know, if they screw this up, they sign Hronik to like a deal or whatever. Like, I'm not going to be completely writing them off. I'm just no. going to be like, you know, I still have faith that they can, like, <laughs> they can try and salvage it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, is that the, the, the crazy thing is that, they could sign Hronik to a terrible deal and then still somehow move off of it. And I wouldn't be surprised. Like if they trade Andre Kuzmenko at the deadline this year or, or like next week. Yeah. And they get like a player back. Who's either like fits with the team, like fits with their system like is a is an upgrade over something that they already have or or whatever mm-hmm. or get off a bunch of money or even get off all of the money um or like you know do money in money out but get a real asset back and don't like have to take back the full freight of Kuzmenko's contract like they could do that and it wouldn't surprise me Mm-hmm, they sure. just traded Anthony Beauvillier, who doesn't even make that much yeah, le- uh, less money for a pick. <laughs> yeah. And so that and that's that is the that's the biggest like fine print reason for hope is that even when they do fuck things up, they've somehow managed to like fleece a couple of teams. So fuck like it, it feels nice to be like. Maybe this, uh, maybe this front office, when they make mistakes, they can actually fix them. Yeah, that's like, the dream right there. Be, the the best thing would be if you didn't make the mistake. The <laughs> yeah. Second best thing, it's that it's that uh that adage about like the the best time to plant a tree is thirty years ago. The second best time is right now. Yeah, it's like the best time to <laughs> uh fix a mistake is before you sign the contract. <laughs> and the second best time is right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So on that note, uh, any final thoughts, anything to plug before we sign off for probably the year? No, no. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this Obviously, was good. This was I fun. love to be the fourth mic on great. my we favorite podcast, especially <laughs> when I don't have to watch like a terrible movie. That's all. That's ah, uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I really Speaking of it. it's the holidays. Maybe, uh, maybe ex host, uh, Moose Kayak may have, some terrible children's movie he oh, wants to yeah. suggest to us. I would love to hear that from uh from Elliot. <laughs> I yeah. would love to hear what his uh like every parent has a 
a like baby show that they fucking hate because they've had mm-hmm. to watch it so much. I would love to find out what his is. Yeah. Uh, and then, he, and then it becomes an yet. episode or a live watch. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, ch- bad children's entertainment is a special kind of bad too. It really is. It's hard, um, it's hard to watch. <laughs> okay. One, one last thing. Uh, do you have any Christmas movies since we're talking movies? Do you have any Christmas movies that are on your docket before, uh, the Ooh. end of the before the end of the season that you got to watch? Well, I, hmm, I always kind of watch like the same crap like every year. Yeah, totally. Suit me too. Yeah. Uh, I still have to watch. Uh, was it the Bishop's Wife? That's a classic. Oh, I've never seen that one. It's like got Cary Grant and nice. um. He plays like an angel that comes to earth and he like basically just like messes around with like a pastor who's like really frustrated mm-hmm. and uh, it's just cute. It's just old fashioned. So cool. School no, I'm into facts. that. That's yeah. fun. Um, it's a wonderful life, of course. Yeah, that's that's my Christmas that's, Eve. That's my to. staple. I, yeah. I haven't cried in a while. So <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Before the year's over. That's a good one. Um, for that. If you yeah. haven't seen it yet, The Holdovers. I oh, just nice. watched that okay. the other the cool. other day and I absolutely thought it was delightful. Very nice. Christmassy. Kind of reminds me of like, I mean, it doesn't remind me exactly of it because Manchester by the Sea was depressing. Sure, <laughs> but that that New England, that okay, New yeah, England yeah. like sure grit, like that's kind of what it feels like. But nice. yeah, it's, okay, just, cool. it's just very quaint and very lovely. Um, I like that. Um, I'm gonna see if I can try to sneak in. Uh, is it which is the uh the um, is it Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels that takes place at Christmas time, or is it no? It's Kiss uh, Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, that's that one's one. yeah, uh, that one's great. I think uh, all of his movies do. Yeah, yeah, fair. A bunch of them do, certainly. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was the one that Tyler told me I need to watch. I'll see. Well, you've if never I can... seen it. I've never seen it. No. Oh my god, it's a, uh, it's fucking hilarious. I'll see if I can I'm sneak that one in, and then the other one that I want to sneak in is I, I I can't remember what it's called. I think it might be called the Christmas Chronicles. I just want to see the libertarian. Uh, Santa movie where Chris uh, or where um not not former uh, Calgary <laughs> Flames defenseman Chris Russell, but uh, a list superstar actor Kurt Russell uh, plays um, plays Santa Claus. Uh, I'm sure it's terrible, but I just want to oh, yeah. see it because it sounds hilarious. And All he right. kind of looks like Santa, and he's still rocking like the yeah. giant white herb stash. Like hell yeah! Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, and obviously, uh, the hockey, big hockey guy, uh, Kurt Russell as well. Um, so yeah, uh, well, thanks for listening, everybody. This is a long one, but a fun one. So, uh, we will see you, uh, we'll see you next year. And also, by the way, I'm sorry about the Patreon. I mentioned it at the top of the episode, but I, my computer literally took a shit. (laughs) The episode was going to be so good. I put so much work into it, but, uh, instead it, it, it died. So I don't know. Fuck me, I guess. Happy New Year, everybody. Bye. (laughs) Send your hate mail to Microsoft. (laughs) Yeah.